Well, welcome, welcome everyone to episode two. Yeah, we've made it this far. Um, and this is episode two of Yorkshire Gamers Reet Big War Games podcast. And uh, those of you who are observant will know or notice that there's been a little change in the name. And uh, we've gone from Yorkshire Gamers Reet Big Toy Soldier Adventures to Yorkshire Gamers Reet Big War Games uh, podcast. And um, I just had a little bit of think after the first episode and. Um, Go around sort of like web searches and that sort of thing just to include war games in the podcast title. Uh, so that's why we've done that. Uh, just in case you noticed, you probably didn't to be honest, but there we go. Um, so I just wanted to, before we go into the interview, just uh, do a bit of uh, housekeeping with you and go through a couple of bits and pieces like the name change. So um, I'd like to mention um, a big thank you to all you listeners out there um, for the reception that this podcast has got. The pilot episode that is now on both Podbean and the audio podcast and also on YouTube is now over 500 listens which is massively massively more than i expected and episode one um the 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 brilliant episode if i may say so with chris and gareth talking about wars of the roses and all things big gaming that will go up on to um youtube today and uh, i'm hoping that um, it's up about 200 uh, downloads on the uh, the podcast and um, I'm hoping it'll creep up and go past the uh, pilot episode when uh, it gets released on the YouTube so thank you thank you very much um, lots of positive comments which is great and um, look forward to uh, getting some more from today's episode um, still plan at this stage to do five episodes and see where we are um, see whether it's worth carrying on um, the reception from the first couple of releases um, is tipping me very much more towards continuing to do this and um, so please like subscribe follow do whatever you can just to make me aware that there's, a, there's an audience for this out there because although I am talking to myself in my living room at the moment um, I don't want to be talking to myself um, in the internet ether world etc um, so if those five episodes go well um, I'll probably make an announcement at the end of the fourth episode because uh, I'll, I'll definitely know by then um, and we'll see where we go I've thought about guests going forward and I've got a nice big long list um, so it's lucky positive, lucky positive. Um, in other things, Yorkshire Gamer, I'm not going to use the podcast as a to go through my projects. Um, I do a monthly update on YouTube that covers that. So if you're interested in all things uh, Yorkshire Gamer and what's happening in the games room, then please bob along to the uh, the YouTube channel and uh, catch up with the with the monthly updates. Um, but in other news, um, I was the guest myself on uh, Firepower Gaming. Um, run by Andy, um, whose uh, handle is at Dystad on the uh, on the Twitters, 
and uh, we had a lovely chat for an hour or so about all things gaming and uh, covered a lot of background that I can't get into me four minutes here. Um, so please, please give Andy a follow, a like and subscribe on on his channels. Um, and he's done lots of interviews with um, the likes of Alex Sutheran and Sonic Ledge. Um, there's lots of stuff, uh, Tom Egan as well. Um, lots of stuff on there that's worth a listen. Uh, so please, please bob over there and uh, give him some support. So that's uh, that's the intro, and um, it's time to move on to the main area of the podcast and the interview with our guest. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of Yorkshire Gamers Big Game Podcast. And um, we're into the interview stage now, which is going to be very similar to episode one. And today's guest is an old friend of mine, Richard Harris. And Richard was already a member at Leeds War Games Club when I, I walked in through the doors of its then home in Armley in the late 80s as a, as a fresh-faced 18-year-old. And uh, Richard is very definitely, very definitely a big gamer and uh, is a familiar face to many people on the War Games show circuit, putting on big, big games for many years. And um, that's what we like here. We're, we're all about the big game. And he now runs a company called Legendary War Games that runs... Uh, weekend big games in a, an absolutely brilliant custom-built building. Uh, so welcome, Richard. Ah, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. Yeah. So have you have you done any, have you, you've done your homework, did you listen to episode one? I have indeed, yes, congratulations. <laughs> Excellent, thank great, you. Great 90 minutes. <laughs> well, I'm sure we could top it today, mate. I'm sure we, I'm sure we could just go for one better. So, <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> the, the 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 first thing that I like that we're going to do is, um, we're, I'm just going to ask you to uh, just go through your sort of introduction to wargaming, if you like, and um, yes. rather than you going on for hours about it, <laughs> I'm going to give you four minutes. Um, so, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. We don't. <laughs> so, so have you have you had a practice? Have you got? Have you got your four minutes down? Uh, no, no, no. This is just off the cuff, and oh. uh, I'll be as brief as possible. No worries, mate. Well, when <laughs> when you hear the countdown music start, you, you've got thirty seconds yeah. left. All right. So, lovely, in, your old, in your old time, Richard, starting now. Well, yeah, I um, I got into wargaming um, really through uh, my dad. Um, he used to uh, build ethics kits for me and then uh, I think similar to yourself you'd go off at a weekend and spend some money on some figures and uh, and then just play with dice and sticks or whatever uh, and then uh, a chap in you at work um, who painted miniatures but didn't play had bought himself a little book uh, general rules for wargaming gave it to my dad um, and from that moment uh, I suppose I was probably about 13 years old. I had a book with some very simple war game rules in, so started with that. Um, then went to high school. Uh, high school, we had a war games club, and there was a, a, a sixth form student there called Peter Romanik, who was a member of Leeds War Games Club. So not only just playing at the war games club at school, I got. Uh, introduced to Leeds War Games Club as a 13-year-old. Um, 
that was a bit of a, an eye-opener for me, seeing so many different scales, figures, uh, periods. Um, but I was also introduced at that point to role-playing games in the form of Dungeons & Dragons. And uh, I suppose I went off at that point more into role-playing than wargaming, but still kept an interest in wargaming. Started with a 15mm French Army, um, but kind of discovered at that point that uh, painting wasn't my... Well, I wouldn't say it wasn't my forte, but uh, I didn't have the attention span to uh, paint large numbers of figures. <laughs> um, so then, um, member of the War Games Club, that, that was good. Uh, introduction to uh, reasonably what, what we were talking about, six by four club gaming. Mm. Um, but they did put on, uh, well, uh, Bigger, slightly bigger, eight by eight by four games or eight by six games, um, and I, it would be about that time when miniature war games came out with the fantastic photographs from the war games holiday centre, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I was mentioned in there that uh, Peter Gilder had a. Wargame Centre at Pickering in North York. Um, and I started saving. I had a, when I got to 16, I had a part-time job. Um, and that was uh, in a game shop in Leeds called Games of Liverpool. I don't know whether you remember that from when you were uh, home in Liverpool. Uh, and they had a, game section downstairs, which did mainly board games and historic, well, fantasy miniatures and a few historical miniatures. Um, through that, I managed to save up. And then at 16, um, my mum and dad put in half the cost so I could go to the War Games Holiday Centre. And that's where I got into big games. Um, so I think that sums it up slightly, really. <laughs> Well, that's not too bad. You've done a reasonable bit of time in there. The music's coming yeah. in. Uh, we don't, do we need the Do we need the bing bong bit at the end, or are we? Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's coming now. It's here. Yeah, well, well that will do. <laughs> now shut it. Uh, a bit of sweetie at the end there, just to tell you to shut yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for that, Richard. Um, uh, right. we, did, we didn't mention at the start, but this is, this is your first podcast as well, isn't it? It's, uh, yes, you it are is a, indeed. You are a podcast virgin, the very same that Gareth was uh, in the first yes, episode. Yes. So uh, um, we'll, we'll make it as we'll make it as easy as we can. We'll make it as easy as we yep. can. Um, so oh, so okay. so from that from that four minutes, um, you mentioned games in Liverpool, and yeah. uh, did you say you work there? Well, in, they had a branch in Leeds. And I worked downstairs there, so I had a, a good um, view uh, and access to the various board games, mm. uh, role-playing games. And then uh, they started to uh, do a few historical miniatures as well. Uh, um, now, I'd already been, yeah, well, I'd been introduced to the, uh, 
historical side of things from the war games probably mm. well because i i didn't i wasn't aware there was a games um of liverpool in leeds i remember the liverpool shop it used to be near the entrance to the tunnel and i used to go there on the train from from cheshire where i, I was living at the time yeah. uh, and and the downstairs there they had um, quite yeah, I think they had heroic some Ross miniatures and some fifteen mil stuff kicking around. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same shop. Yeah. Oh, excellent. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you went to the War Games Holiday Centre, then uh, was yeah. that you? I was sixteen years old. Yes. And was that part of uh, like an organised trip from the Leeds War Games Club or? No, no, this was uh, this was myself just going on the first ever holiday I'd ever been on by myself without yeah. my parents. So uh, <laughs> we met in a <laughs> uh, honestly I can I can say that um, of anything that's ever influenced me in wargaming was walking into the wargames holiday centre. Um, yeah. it was then based at Forkton. In, uh, which is a village just outside, well, sort of midway between Filey and uh, Scarborough. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I met um, sort of players from all over the country mm. who gathered there to uh, to war game, and we spent a whole week walking. Wow. A, a whole yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> a whole week, yeah. Oh, that's, um, that's proper gaming, that is. Oh, yeah, but uh, it broke up nicely because um, we started with a, a Napoleonic. Um, I think we then moved on to um, a World War II. Um, we then um, went down the Nile in the Sudan. Yeah. And then we had a choice then of what we finished with, and we finished off then with a bigger Napoleonic. So, so for those um, those people who who haven't or didn't go there, and yeah. um, the newer people to wargaming, just describe that um, huge shed in the back of the garden oh. in uh, in Scarborough to, to people. Yeah, it was just absolutely mind blowing to open the door into um, effectively what was a probably about thirty foot long um, structure. Um, maybe 20 foot wide, uh, well, more than that, um, possibly 30 foot wide, maybe 40 foot long. Mm. Um, his tables were um, 27 foot long. Um, now, there were three foot, then six foot, then six foot, with a three foot gap in between. Um, and then the whole, uh, the whole of two sides of the building uh, completely shelved with thousands and thousands and thousands of figures from different periods. Uh, and it when, when you've only seen a six by four, it was just stunning. Yeah. stunning. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah. any idea how many figures were there? I, I just remember seeing, like you say, rows and rows and rows of trays that went on forever. Um, yes. um, I, ooh, blimey, I would have thought uh, altogether, there would have been a couple of hundred thousand figures all, to, all told with it, in everything. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly how many it was, but um, it was certainly very, very big. 
Um, probably a couple of hundred thousands, maybe too many. <laughs> well, um, to be honest, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't know if you remember, I did a bit of painting for them a long, long time ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember going up there and taking like four battalions of French, 36 figure, 28 yeah. mil uh, battalions yeah. up there. And on my tray that I'd carried up lovingly in the car, it looked like a yeah. massive amount of stuff. And then yeah. they just put it in this tray and and slid it back into the unit and it just yeah. disappeared into, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> into this massive amount of stuff it was uh, oh it, yeah yes it was gobsmacked. I'd, I'd like to I'd like, I'd like to try and find some photographs of that place um just yeah. just to show um, people what it was like mm. um yeah. I'm, I'm sure if i dig around on the internet i won't find it i'm oh, sorry oh, i won't I, find it you should do yeah yeah um so I, who, I was looking through. Sorry, go. On. Yeah, who was who was running it when you first went? Then was it was it Peter uh, Gilder himself? It was Peter Gilder himself. Yes, and, uh, then- and he 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 ran it for a few years until he got ill and he sold it to uh, a lovely chap called Mike Ingham. Yep. Uh, Mike um, did come on one of the weekends we were doing, so I got to meet him personally, um, and then. Um, he had, uh, we had one uh, thing in common, which uh, we were both Mad Keen Leeds United fans. Ah, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, he uh, he took over and he ran it, um, and then went into partnership with Jerry Elliott. Jerry came into it, yeah, and uh, and then they ran it together, um, and then unfortunately Mike got unwell and he died. Hmm. Uh, and I think Jerry decided at that point that that was his time to end um, and he sold it to uh, Mark Freeth who now runs it down in Birmingham uh, sorry, um, Basingstoke Yeah, I've uh, I've been in contact with Mark and um, he's going to come on yeah. the show um, oh, very good. Um, towards the end of this sort of mini first run of five episodes. Uh, so so that'll be good to speak and, and catch up with him about the history. Uh, did he take on all the figures then? Um, he took the vast majority of them, yes. I think some of the collection um, was sold. Um, there were certain units that were sold uh, to various other interested parties, but mm. uh, he took the, the vast majority of everything. That, that would have needed yeah. a, a fairly large, heavy goods vehicle, I would suggest, to take Oh, down. yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know how we, how we got it all down there, but yeah, <laughs> it would have been interesting. No. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for that. And um, oh, I just want, I just want right. to cover something... Um, that that might not come up later in the in the episode because it doesn't yeah. really fit into any of the topics that we're they're going to cover, yeah. uh, and that's um, a recent article that appeared in the Yorkshire Post um, yeah. newspaper. And uh, for those of you listening who don't live in Yorkshire, uh, number one, why why not? Why are you living outside God's own county? And um, number two, uh, Yorkshire Post is where you get all your news from. None of that national rubbish. Uh, so <laughs> um, I, uh, I I was aware it was coming out, and um, I was I was quite quite surprised that it was it was covered in such detail and such prominence yeah. in the in the in the 
it was in the Sunday, it was in the magazine, wasn't it? On a yeah, Saturday? Saturday, Saturday magazine, yes. Yeah. So yeah. just just tell yeah. us tell us then how did that come about? How did that article start? Um yes, well, I um I received an email from um Sarah uh who wrote the article. Yeah. Um she'd um she'd got um, a brotherhood war game uh and dabbled probably with the Warhammer side of things. Um and she just um got an in I don't know what triggered the actual start of all this, but she uh, decided to do an article on the fact that people still walk in with figures, even in a digital age where you can do everything mm. on computer. Um, and she must have typed in uh, Wargaming Yorkshire. Mm. Uh, I'm guessing that was a search she did. Now, if you type that in as a sort of Yahoo search, um, we sort of sit quite highly up the top to Legendary yeah. Wargame. And she must have looked at that and thought, that's a bit different. So she emailed me and said, could she talk? Uh, we had a quick phone call and then she came over and interviewed me in the, what we call the lodge. Mm. Um, and not long after, so told her my story, which is very similar to what we've just discussed. Yeah. Um, and um, she then uh, arranged for a photographer to come over who... Uh, uh, rather surprisingly, when you think of a newspaper, uh, started filming me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so all of a sudden, I'm on, uh, not only am I in print, I'm on a video as well. Ah, very good. It's a two and a half minute video that they took as well, which um, I did notice uh, um, was on YouTube. Actually, I don't know. What, I don't know how easy it is to actually find on. There, but, uh, yeah. It's basically the the article put on uh, on video. So um, she put together uh, uh, um, interviewing myself and uh, one of our friends, Steve Shan, who's yeah. a figure painter and uh, enthusiast. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people will know. Um, and uh, so there's a little interview by myself and Steve and a couple of other uh, bits in there. But she's done a really uh, positive, encouraging piece about wargaming still taking place, even in a digital age. Yeah, that was one of the things that that I particularly liked about that piece. Um, yeah. you, you you can be crossing into dangerous territory sometimes with journalists with wargaming because you'll get the you'll, you'll either get the the big kid who never grew up toy soldier outside, or yes. you'll get you'll get the warmongering. Um, wants to go out and uh, shoot people <laughs> yeah. with uh, an AK-47 uh, angle. Yeah. And, I, and I think they did it very well. Uh, have you had yes. yeah, Have you had a lot of feedback from them? Have you had any contacts from people? Um, it's certainly... Um, I, I posted that article. Um, I let people know on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Um, it had a wonderful response um, on the Tabletop Gamers Network. Mm. Um, and other, a lot of other networks as well thought it was a positive idea. Mm. Uh, and has I um, have had a few um, people getting in touch, saying uh, they liked it and 
after a little, in, you know, it sparked a bit of interest. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's really positive and really good, really good for the hobby. I'm I'm, I'm really happy yeah. happy with that. Um, it's yeah. uh, it was initially behind a paywall. I think it's free to what free to view now, is it? Oh, is it free to view now? Yeah, it was. Be- you, you could basically um, go. You could uh, register for free and get one what they call their premium article, um, and you'd be able to look at that one article. Uh, the only problem with that is you are registering with the paper and then you start to get a lot of email. Yeah. So it's gone where you can just click on and look at it. Yeah, I, th- so, I think I think if you, ser- I, I mean, if you search for it, I think you can find it um, free to air now, so that's quite good. Yeah. Right, well, thank, thanks very much, Richard. And I, I, I do recommend to people, yeah. if, you, if you do get the opportunity to have a look around the internet, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to find that Yorkshire Post article and have a read of it. It's well, well worth it. Um, the, the, another yeah. thing, another thing I like to speak to people about initially is is what I call the Venn diagram of wargaming. Do you remember? Do you remember Venn diagrams from school? That's a long time ago. That's a long time <laughs> ago. Well, I, I like to think that people break down into like three sections: uh, like a, a painter, a collector, and a wargamer. And personally, I, I do mostly painting and collecting um, and probably less wargaming. I think you suggested earlier on that yeah. painting really wasn't your thing. Um, so would you, you say um, you're more of a gamer? Yes, I, I, I'm more into gaming um, than collecting. Uh, yeah. And I, I do dabble with painting it, once, once I get stuck into something, but um, uh, sitting down and painting vast amounts of figures, uh, I tend to get distracted far too easily. Yes, that's easily easily done. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so obviously, obviously, um, when we talk about legendary war games later on, there's there's lots of figures to to play with there. Ah, um, yes. Are they? Yes. Um, are they being painted by other people for you, or are they like a collective? Where, where do they all the figures come from? Um, well, we we um, when we uh, are building collections, we uh, we ask Steve uh, Shan to uh, paint for us, and he's uh, done a big chunk of our collection. Um, but then there are a couple of other painters as well, which uh, have been very helpful. Um, Richard. Croisdale, yeah, uh, and Jerry Miller. All oh, right, Jerry. Yep, I know Jerry. Yeah, yep. I knew you would. Yes, he's, yep. he's well known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're all, and of course, they're all part of our um, our wargaming group. So yep. I've been very, very lucky, mm. um, and very, very well supported. Uh, and I, I think at this point, I should mention as well, of yep. course, that uh, legendary wargame. Isn't just myself. Mm. Um, there is Andrew Lawson, who also um, helps, and he's part of the uh, team here at Legendary War Games. We're really? sort of partners in it. Okay, so um, what's the what's the current project? What what's the current thing that you're building at the moment? Uh, well, um, currently, um, I'm doing. Work around the uh, the lodge itself, but in the lodge, I'm uh, adding to the terrain 
that um, we got from TM Terrain. Now, I know we mentioned that in the first podcast. Yeah. Uh, David Marshall at TM Terrain mm. made all our boards for us because we wanted, um, obviously, to provide a really high-quality product for people to come and play on. Yeah. Um, so he made us a, a, um, a desert terrain so we could use it for the sedan. And we had to way of uh, adapting it to use for any other terrain we wanted. So um, that's what we've done effectively. We've found by uh, using uh, some railway um, scatter over the top of the terrain, it's, uh, it creates a fantastic effect. Um, so I'm just currently um, adding to some ridges that he made so we can uh, make a Pratt's and Heights to reef Battle of Austerlitz. So is that is that the guy who did the um, the uh, Agincourt? Uh, um, That's right. Thing? Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, excellent, yes, yes. Um, uh, there are photographs on uh, our um, Facebook page. Uh, I think I've put some on Twitter as well and uh, the web page itself. Hmm. And, and you can see the uh, terrain in its desert form and in its Northwest Europe form and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> so just, be, just before so we finish... The, yeah. It's all the same terrain. So just before we yeah. finish this little section then, where can people find you yes. on the internet? Where, whereabouts are you and what sort of what uh, names are you um, on? Yeah, so legendary, legendarywargames.com will get the website. Um, at legendarywargames on Twitter. And um, if you search Legendary War Games on Facebook, you'll find us there as well. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, we're just going to take a little break now. Um, we're going to come back in a second and uh, talk about big games. Okay, so welcome back. And... Um, the big game podcast is about big games um so and, and that's why richard's here um it does what it says on the tin that's the best way to look at it and so we've yes we've discussed with a with a number of people and i've tried to define myself what a big game is what what does a big game mean to you what, what what's the, the the crux of a big game well um a big game uh for myself is um, a game that you wouldn't normally do uh, with your uh, at your club. Um, now, clubs can put on big games, and they are normally multiplayer affairs. Um, now, anyone could play um, a big game themselves, but um, my... My, my experience of big games starts obviously with the War Games Holiday Centre where we have um, multiple player games um, on a large table. Hmm. Uh, now, obviously, I like to think of a big game as um, something we do as um, sort of a special occasion. It's not your everyday game. Hmm. Um 
But obviously we are spoiled somewhat by uh, uh, always having large tables. So when we play, we can do multiplayer games with at least each person commanding what he would normally command, but all together in one battle. So, yeah. um, so you have control of your part of the battle, but not the whole part of the battle. So you can quite happily, I think, as you pointed out with your um, Jutland uh, replay, you had command of one part of the fleet, but mm. you were in no way control of what was happening elsewhere on the table. Yes, um, so that that that's uh, that that gave me a sense of the size of the battle because the bit that you're controlling, you're so concentrating on what's going on. Uh, yes. you, you, you're kind of aware of this stuff at the other end of the table, but not uh, to any any great detail. Yes. Um, yes. So, so at the at the the War Games Holiday Centre, then how many people would be involved in that, and, and how many figures would you control? What sort of size of a oh. unit? Um, I, it, when I was visiting the the, the centre, you would have. Um, up to 12 people um, and under your direct command, you might have um, well, anything between um, seven or 800 figures to, well, probably around that sort of yeah. scale. Um, you, you could have smaller games where you might only have four, but I mean, this, this obviously, to a lot of people will sound huge, but <laughs> you 10 battalions of French is 360 figures. Yeah. So that to many people is an enormous game. But when you were fighting uh, at the War Games Holiday Centre, you might have 12 players each, mm. um, which then becomes a very big game. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's, it's, so it's just, and it's a it's a similar thing that we're trying to um, do here at Legendary War Games. I, uh, myself and my partner Andy are influenced by um, what we experienced ourselves at the War Games Holiday Centre. So we like to be able to give people a big game. Mm. Lots of figures each. Uh Posing different problems and different uh, experiences to them. Uh, now, the other thing I'd like to say on uh, what I what became um, the Leeds War Games Club's big game was when we used to go, and we used to go twice a year. We'd go in the in the uh, early part of the year and the late part of the year, and it would be a social occasion where club members could gather together. Um, for a weekend, have a good time, play a game, eat together, go out to the pub, have a few drinks. Some people went to the theatre and then gather together for another day two and uh, and that would be a big game, but it would also be a, a great social occasion for the club. So um, as well as the Holiday Centre, there was... Um, you used to put big games on at shows as well, didn't you? Yes, yeah, well, we still do. We um, we still like to put on a decent size uh, game, um, 
so we quite often we, we, we play at um, Partizan uh, Fiasco we always put a big game on as part of Leeds War Games Club um, and uh, we uh, have a, a group of friends which we call Bramley Barn um, so that's uh, centred around uh, Chris Flowers' barn yeah. uh, in North Yorkshire and the fact that uh, some of us come from Bram- Bramley and Leeds. So. <laughs> <laughs> we came up with the name Bramley Barn. So. Yeah, I mean, that's um, okay, you just come up with. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so um, we still like to put on big games. It, it, it's, it's, as you said, to go to a show and see a big game with lots of figures looking really nice is, is a pleasant thing to do and and you know you want to take you're sort of drawn to it you want to take photographs of it and it inspires you to go out and uh, buy figures and recreate that to the best of your ability yeah do you think the the opportunity for those big games at, at shows has has dropped off a bit i'm, I'm thinking a lot about the, there used to be quite a few two-day shows like triples uh, that would accommodate a big game better than a single day. Has that made a difference to where you go and, and yeah. what show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where I first met Chris Flowers when he was playing with the Sons war gamers from Birmingham. And they would always do a really big Napoleonic battle over a weekend at triples or, or, or really any show they could get to where they could do it. Mm. It's it's just um, it, it just looks so spectacular, and I think that is what has always drawn me. So a big game for me is a big spectacular game with lovely figures on a lovely terrain, multiple players, um, and recreating big historical battles. Um, and for those people who can't recreate that which to be fair I'm 55 years old and it's taken me a great deal of those years <laughs> to get to a point where I can now offer offer that experience to people who can't now my experience of really big games like that was going to the War Games Holiday Centre mm. and it would only be twice a year yeah um, and then and then I think we did Leipzig at Leeds Games Club um, yeah. One year. Yeah, I remember that. I think you were part of that. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Do you think that the, the, the definition of a big game has started to change over the years? When I've spoken, I'm same age as you, and I... I um, I think of a big game as you do, um, but yes. some of some of the, uh, the the people who have, have been in game yeah. less time than us, they're not exposed to that anymore, and they think of of a big yeah. game in a different way. No. Yes, yeah. Well, a big game to different people will be anything bigger than they would normally play on a club night. That's that's how I would yeah see it, um, and of course. I would say that scale necessarily doesn't affect a big game. A big game is is something that requires a bit of preparation and and is a little bit out of the ordinary for people. Mm. Um, so you can you can play a club game with 
a little bit more, but a big game would be just that. It would be something that re- requires a little bit more time and effort to put together. Mm. I think uh, um... so. It shows we see fewer of them. I think. Yeah, I think um, when I when I was doing the pilot episode, I was saying that, that here in my house, I've got a 12 by 6 table, and I don't particularly consider that to be a large game. Yeah. Um, and I think you probably agree with me. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a big, it, it's probably yeah, well, bigger than average people have in their, in their houses, but I don't think 12 by 6, 1,000, 20 mil, 28 mil figures is a big game. No, that's right. We, we all have a different definition depending on what you're playing and, and uh, what you can fit in to your own personal circumstances. So mm. a lot of people will just have a dining table with a board on top of it or um, a spare bedroom with um, as big a table as they can fit in the spare bedroom. Mm. Um, it took me a long time um, to get bigger than that myself. Yeah, um, but once I once I did, we found that um, we did start off by playing lots of games on. I had an eighteen foot table when I lived in Bramley. Yeah, um, and you came down and played there a couple of times. Yeah, um, but we actually found that a lot of the games we did just on a night that weren't carrying on were shrinking to a ten foot or or twelve foot bit of the board. Mm. Because it's easier to uh, run that with a smaller number of people. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. So a big, a big, so so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so a big game is 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 just that. It's it's something which is bigger than you'd normally do, and effort to put it on mm. and become a. And I like to think of a big game as as a as a social event as well. Yeah, where you've got lots of people playing. So when you love- it's one thing that I like about the one. Yeah, well, I was just saying it's one thing I like about the idea of what we're doing at Legendary War Games and the War Games Holiday Centre is that you are pulling together groups of people who necessarily won't be playing all the time every week. Mm. And you then get this lovely social interaction and you meet gamers from other parts of the country. So when you look back on all the big games that you've played, what what sticks out in your memory as some of the best um, and and the biggest? What what, what would you look back and think, oh, that was a cracking game? Oh, (laughs) golly. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) there's been a few, but um, definitely... uh, Fighting Leipzig uh, at the War Games Holiday Centre, um, Waterloo. We've had some cracking uh, times there, some cracking weekends there. Um, Waterloo, Borodino, um, say Leipzig. A couple of World War Two games ourselves there, mm. uh, using rapid fire. Um, when Jerry was doing it, we just turned up there as a club and fought a couple of games there and we had some good games there. So, yeah, I have a lot of uh, fond memories, lots and lots of fond memories of... uh... 
So, so at Waterloo, mm. then I've seen real you, tales to tell. Yeah. <laughs> you look on, you look on, um, you know, some people will do <laughs> Waterloo on a six on a six by four table. Um, these are these are these are on the what did you say twenty seven foot at War Games Holiday Centre? Um, yeah, yeah, we, we twenty seven foot long um, and fifteen foot wide, but obviously that you had a foot. By 27, and then two six foot by 27, so you could get round the whole table and the whole board. Um, and it cool. We did um, Waterloo um, at uh, Church Fenton uh, Village Hall. Yeah, when uh, one when Andy lived over in Church Fenton, um, and it was on a 24 foot table. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a, another cracking game. Um, and what sort of figure figures number so, of so figures would they, you have on the table for that? Um, golly, um, I would have thought um, probably something in the region of two hundred. Uh, let me think. Um, no, well, maybe 160 battalions with at least uh, an average, say, of 36 figures of battalion. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then the cavalry, artillery, and skirmishes on top. That so that, that's a so, big. That's going to be a big. I'm just going to have to. I'm just going to have to get my calculator. So that how many was that? 160 battalions at 36 well, figures. Well, looking at yeah, it would be between. I would say somewhere between six and seven thousand figures. Yeah, on that, the table. That infantry was six thousand figures. <laughs> so they, they yeah. were talking really big numbers, and, and, and those <laughs> and those people who who haven't seen any figures from the War Games Holiday Centre, they're they're not knocked up in in yeah. five minutes, are they? They are proper masterpieces. Oh, yeah. uh, the, a, a lot of. Uh, the collections uh, are, I mean we, we do like to present nice figures nice terrain um, and it was mentioned wasn't it on your last podcast that terrain is just as important for a game to look good as the figures are without a doubt I think you summed it up nicely um, not so long ago when you you said the whole the whole package is what a big game is. The terrain, the figures, yes, yes. the the social aspect of it, the all of it together. If if you've not got one uh, yeah. aspect of that that's working, then it can become a bad big game if you like. And um, a lot of the people who've been sort of negative towards big games uh, have, have probably had a bad experience rather than a good one that we both seem to have had. Uh, yeah, I, I suspect that, that that could be the case. Yes, yeah, that could be the case. Um, and and the the unachievability of an indiv- individual person to do such a game um, um, can be uh, attained by joining a club or by um, spending a weekend at a war game centre, refighting one of those games and getting the experience of that 
and and you know we're all different aren't we some of us will like it and some of us will actually prefer a more intimate game Hmm. and that's a very that's a very good point um in that i i've kind of been saying all along that people just um they don't seem to want to aspire to go big it seems to be though yeah. they see something and it's a huge game with thousands of figures and they just give up at that point and go i can't do that yes rather than yeah. like you say yeah. get themselves involved through other ways well that, yes. that's that, that's There's brilliant a, there is always a way that, that's brilliant, Richard. Yeah. I think we've had a we've had a good chat around big games, and you've you've brought some yes. uh, new ideas in there that I've, I like some of those very much. Um, and uh, we're just going to take a very quick break now, and we're going to come back. And are, yes. you, are you ready for the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz? Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I am. I, I I feel it. I'm starting with somewhat of a disadvantage here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cover that. We'll cover that at the end of the questions, mate. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll, yeah. we'll be back in a second. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back, and it's that part that the guests always dread. Um, it's the How Yorkshire Gamer Are You test. And um, Richard, you are from Yorkshire, so you should have a decent chance with this. I am. Um, but I think we, we, may have an issue with, <laughs> we may have an issue with football teams later on. <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that when we get there. So, uh, <laughs> so are, you, are you ready to go? Off we go. So, go big or go home? Oh, go big. Contrast paints, great or a gimmick? Um, I'd say great. And uh, Windsor and Newton paintbrushes or Yorkshire made pro art? Um, oh, coming from Yorkshire, it's got to be Yorkshire pro art. It skipped to skipped to made, mate. It's got to, it's brilliant. Um, 96 figures, an army or a pike block? Oh, pike block. Six by four table, big or small game? Oh, no, I I, I would say small. I know that's... uh, Controversial, but he's gone for small. Uh, Controversial, (laughs) yeah. So would you... Would you prefer a points-based army or an historical order of battle? Oh, no, definitely historical. Yeah, definitely. Um, If you were painting, would you use a wet palette to mix your paints or an old bit of MDF? I think it'd be MDF. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the the wet palette thing has passed passed me by. Uh, Undercoat figures, black or white? Um, black. Um, would you ever run a list? Um, just explain that to me. Ah, um, some some people who play points-based games try and build up, um, yeah, like a like a really killer army. army. Yeah, and and they call it. Um, I'm going to run a list rather than I'm going to use this force. I'm guessing it's going to be a big no. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> it's a big no, yes. A big no. <laughs> um, 
So um, another pike block question. Um, do you like your figures tightly packed or socially yeah. distanced? Um, tightly packed. Excellent. Would you prefer to do a two-hour club game or a weekend monster game? Oh, weekend monster game, I think. Excellent. Uh, competition game or campaign game? Campaign game. Uh, round dice, allowed or banned? Banned. Banned. Brilliant. Um, this is the funny one. This is, <laughs> but, but, no, no, this is, we're not up to the football yes. one yet. We're up, up, we're up to the, would you pay 33 pence for a communist? Would I pay 33 pence for a communist? Yes. No, I wouldn't. No. <laughs> Good. I'll tell you a story when we finish. Um Oh, right. yeah. uh, do you love a good uh, table of figures and a set of rules? Do I love a good, like a, a like good a, table in a set of rules, like a casualty table or something like that? Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. Some people find that in the too difficult to deal with these days. Um, yeah. Twenty yeah. twenty-eight millimeter is king. Yes or no? Oh yes, yes. Uh, would you allow unpainted miniatures on the table in a game? Uh, no. Excellent. Um, this is the Bradford City or Leeds United. Oh, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> in Bielsa, we trust. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leeds United. For those, for those of you listening who don't know, I am a Bradford City season ticket holder and Richard is a Leeds United City season ticket holder. So there we go. Uh, uh, a nice easy one here. Um, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? Yorkshire. Of course. And then finally, oh, um, GW, are they the work of the devil? Ooh. Ooh. Now, from his from a historical, uh, remember I said I worked at Games of Liverpool. Yeah. Um, games Games Workshop. Um, I they have their place in the hobby, definitely. But um, they were a very aggressive um, company, so I think they have the devil in them. Ooh, excellent, excellent. Well, I don't need to do a lot. I don't need to do a lot of adding up there, Richard, because you are uh, the, the current winner. You are you are ninety percent Yorkshire gamer. So congratulations! Uh, if you only supported a decent football Thank club, you. you'd be ninety five percent. So you know. uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just for just for the uh, just for the listeners, um, the the would you pay thirty three pence for a communist question uh, comes from a, a long long time ago yeah. when I was doing a, a display game from um, the rescuing of the prisoners from Sante during the Vietnam War, and uh, we were at Triples and yes. the guy from SHQ. Um, because loads of people had bought loads of his figures based on our game, he offered us, us a really good deal on his figures. And I think it was, um, it worked out as 33p for um, a VC figure, um, to, to which I said, oh, right. to which I said, I'm not paying 33 pence for a communist. <laughs> So, so, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, <laughs> that, 
that's where that comes from. <laughs> and uh, that's no doubt going to get me into trouble as well. Lovely. <laughs> so I'll just take a very quick break <laughs> and then we'll, 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 we'll while Richard recovers, yeah. and uh, then we're going to talk about legendary war games. <laughs> Okay, everyone, uh, hopefully you've recovered from uh, the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz. And uh, congratulations to uh, Richard for taking the leaderboard. Uh, Gareth Lane was on 75% and Chris Breeze on 60 um, But Gareth, bless him, is from, is from Wales, so... Uh, I can see why he dropped fifteen percent there quite easily. He didn't even know he didn't even know which was close, Leeds or Bradford to to Wales. So we'll have to let him off. We'll have to let him off. <laughs> so the, the, oh, yeah. uh, I've I've asked you to come on the podcast, um, other than your big experience with the big games in the holiday centre, to talk about yes. legendary games. Now, just for everyone yes. out there, just just tell people what legendary games is and and, and how it started. Uh, well, Legendary War Games started. Um, I've, I say, from my visits to the War Games Holiday Centre, um, and I'd all um, to recreate something similar. Um, and then when uh, the War Games Holiday Centre moved down to Basingstoke, um, I thought there might be an opportunity to offer something up north, as it were. Yeah. Um, uh, but there was only myself. I uh, started to make a few plans. Um, and then um, a very good friend of mine, uh, well, of ours, Andy Lawson, uh, he uh, decided he wanted to come as a partner and we started to make a few bigger plans. Mm. Um, but again, it was slowly, slowly. Um, very luckily, um, we um, have always uh, played up with Chris Flowers in North Yorkshire, yep. and um, he he came on board um, by allowing us to use his figure collections, which really gave us a brilliant start to get the uh, Legendary War Games going. Um, we did a few weekends when Andy lived in Church Fenton in the village hall there, but due uh, to circumstance, Andy ended up moving down to Doncaster, um, and I we needed somewhere to uh, run legendary war games. So uh, um, we moved now uh, from where I lived in Bramley out to uh, um, the far side, so between Thornton and Wilsdon. Um, and uh, I found an old uh, farmhouse um, and it had enough land for me to uh, put up um, a large cabin where we can run the centre from. Um, no sooner as we'd got the cabin up and we'd done a few games, um, COVID decided to present itself. Yeah. Which has been, uh, um, as to all of us, it's put a real crimp on wargaming. Um, it's also had um, a time-consuming effect for myself, working in uh, in the Leeds Teaching Hospitals Trust. So 
I have been uh, rather busy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, man. Uh, I can and imagine. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, um, so, legendary, so legendary games. It, uh, we, we've got it to a stage now where we can now offer um, weekends, and that's what we're planning as soon as we get going again. Um, as soon as we can get people up here, we can offer big game weekend big games um, for people to come up and uh, give it a bash. Mm. So, just what, your current location, then, Richard? Are you? I think you'd be closer to Valley Parade, though, won't you, than Ellen Road? Uh, that's very true. <laughs> yes. Not going to swap. Not going to. Not going to swap the allegiance then. Uh, no, no. I've had a season ticket for Leeds United for over thirty years, so <laughs> it's not going to change. <laughs> so, just just no. des- just describe the current your current venue to to us. Then the the lodge. What does it What does it look okay. like? How big is it? Uh, well, we've got a twenty foot by thirty foot uh, cabin. Um, we've got um, a very uh, different way of. Um, Rather than just having two great big tables, we have six six foot by six foot tables, which then can be bridged with the three foot by three foot boards to give either three 15 foot tables, two 23, 24 foot tables, um, a U shape, um, a complete circle um, with a gap in the middle. Um, it gives us so much flexibility uh, to play virtually anything we would want to play, or any uh, you know any any setup of of terrain. Um, all the terrain boards are modular, so they fit together in any way that we want to put them. Um, and then we've got um, we've 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 got a you know a, a, a very diverse and unique way of putting making the terrain fit together and mm. and move it around and yeah. and um is it uh, is it i mean I've, I've seen pictures and i'll um if you don't have any have any issues i'll put some pictures yeah. up around uh, it looks it looks absolutely superb yeah. and did 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 you do yeah. most of that or who did who did all the work <laughs> i seem to remember so well, i seem to yeah. remember somebody it's- digging holes at one stage uh, yes, yes, the fair amount of that. Yes, <laughs> um, it was put in an enclosure. We, we basically had an enclosure to the side of the property, um, and um, it was on a slope. Now I decided to uh, level it out and dig it out. Um, uh, I have to say that um, it was a, a lengthy process. Um, myself and two friends, well, Rich, Andy, and Richard. Crosdale gave me a lot of help, and we, uh, with pick and shovel, um, removed the, uh, the the earth to make to make a nice area. Um, it did involve um, uh, um, removing some tree stumps. Uh, I managed to hurry it myself while doing oh, well while helping tree stump grinder guy come in. <laughs> so I ended up having. But it's been it's been a tale of um, of hardship and pain for 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 getting ready, um, and then we found a, a fantastic uh, company uh, down in Wiltshire, 
called Shedbox, who um, came and erected in a day the uh, the cabin. Mm. Uh, we then uh, put about uh, fitting it out ourselves. Um, we got an electrician to do the electrics. Yeah. Um, we we built the war games tables um, and did you know pretty much all the work inside that we could do mm. to get it to the state where it is now. So what um, what sort of periods yeah. have you got available? What games could, can people do when when they come along? Um, yeah, well we've got um, uh, a, for, from smaller games, which if people would want to do a weekend where they were playing different games over the weekend. Um, so we, we cover everything really from Wild West gunfights to gangster shootouts, um, World War One aircraft dogfights. But then we get to the sort of meet and drink periods. Mm. Um, we've got a lovely Sudan uh, period. Uh, sailing down the Nile and yeah. rescuing Gordon from Khartoum, uh, <laughs> and then we've got, <laughs> um, and then we've got um, Napoleonic's American Civil War, World War Two, post-war, um, modern, uh, yeah. up to about nineteen seventy. Uh, from nineteen, well, from very post-war, from nineteen forty-six right the way up to nineteen seventy. Mm. Um, we then do a Hail Caesar um, and around the Roman, uh, sort of late Roman time. Um, we do an Athos campaign uh, based on uh, Arthur being um, a late Roman, you know, based in the late Roman period. Yeah. Um, we do a Border Rivers campaign. Uh, which went down very well when we did that uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so really, we cover um, as many different periods as we can. Um, but the meat and drink really are the uh, Napoleonic's World War Two, American Civil War. Mm. Um, they seem to be the uh, the most popular periods that we we, we get requested. Um, so what sort I am of, working on a vi- sorry, sorry, go on. Yeah, what what sort of what would if we're talking to people who, who like earlier on may not have experienced a big game? Um, we've you've yes. got a, you've got a damn big table there. Um, are you putting? Yes. Are you to putting a, a damn big amount of figures on that table um, for for these big Napoleonic games and ACW games? Yeah, what we tried, well, obviously, we we, we, we um, structure the size of the game to the number of people we've got coming. Yeah. But um, if 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 a large number of people come, then uh, you are looking at 7,000 figures for a big Napoleonic battle. Um, we've done some World War II uh, games with, you know, a, a good few hundred vehicles and figures to match. Um, and uh, we, we, we make sure that um, it looks impressive and uh, and is a good player for everybody that comes. Everybody gets a, a good game with a good amount of figures. Um, and then the Sudan game, uh, everybody 
well, <laughs> everybody can be on the same side. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that, but, but, <laughs> as you can imagine, the party won't act. Yeah. <laughs> so I think... Um, um, if I anyone th- remembers that. There was a little bit of a problem with the audio there. I think I think you said 7,000 figures. Was that right, Richard? Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. But, but if, if you were refighting Waterloo, yeah. um, then you would be doing the refight that we did. So you would mm. be upward of six and 7,000 figures on a 20... Probably a 23, 24 foot table mm. by 12. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. A good size. One of the one of the things that often comes up when when people talk about big games is they talk about rule mm. sets. So what um, uh, yeah. what what are the rule sets that that you use at uh, legendary war games? Right. Well, um, we've uh, we we are still using Grand Manor to do the Napoleonics, yeah. um, mainly because we find them such a an easy set of rules to use for big games. Yeah. Uh, they were, that's what they were designed for when Peter put them together, when Peter Gilbert put them together. Um, and we just haven't really found anything better for such big games. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it provides a, a decent game for an entire weekend. Hmm. Um, and I know that people find them a little bit old school, but we've not really found anything better that uh, to works over a weekend. Um, the World War II period, we use rapid fire. Yep. Um, that's what we're used to, and that's so that's what we base all our games around. Um, we use Hail Caesar for the uh, um, ancients. They seem the best set of rules, again, for that kind of period and scale yep. um, that we've come across. Uh, the American Civil War, um, we're in the well. We've been in the process for quite some time uh, of putting together um, Peter Gilder's American Civil War rules, with uh, but changing the format slightly um, so they work more in uh, an American Civil War period. Um, yeah. So we um, and from Peter. Uh, different sets of uh, American Civil War rules, including Fire and Fury, they say they are a very good set of rules that we're putting together, and we hope to have them commercially available at some point. And they're called uh, Grand yeah. Skidaddle. I, I was going to ask you about that, because I, I, I remember last time we spoke, which was a number of years ago, um, that you were yeah. talking about yeah. getting those out and about. I think I came to Chris's and played a game with them. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so they're still not yes. out yet. Still, still a work in progress. No, yeah, still a work. Oh, things have over. Shall we say things have overtaken uh, that with the uh, getting the cabin built, the various uh, changes in our circumstances. Yeah, understandable, mate. Understandable. How do how do people find? How do people find um, things like Grand Manor when they come along and they've not played them before? Um. Yeah. The. they find that um, once they've played a few turns, it you know, and and uh, they, they can get into it. Um, if if you've got any idea of Napoleonic units and tactics, 
Um, you should have some idea of what the different units do or what they're used for. Um, so uh, we always make sure that there's um, myself and Andy umpiring and helping out. And there's always one umpire in the room at all times. So that helps because we can help. We're, we're prepared to help people. And, you know, if you've not played before, then uh, you need a helping hand. Yeah, I think I think that I think that's the good. Uh, that's the main thing. And um, if people are going to come along, who, I mean, I'm sure lots of the people who do come have have, um, have got previous experience with with Grand Manor. But they, they, there's nothing putting off new gamers coming, and you're going to help them through uh, huh? and play the games. Absolutely not. Brilliant. No, absolutely not. No, no, no. We'd be there and give as much help as needed. Uh, we want you know we want people to to come and enjoy it mm. um, and um, we've we've had a few requests from people who want to bring their own collections and rules and I think this comes down to what we we're talking about a little bit earlier is that you've got the figures and you've got the rules um, but you've nowhere to play yeah uh, we can offer our premises and a fully catered weekend and um, you can come and enjoy that, and we'll provide. We'll give you the space to do it. So come, come the end of uh, come the end of COVID, which is looking closer yes. um, than it has done in a long, long time. Have you planned? Yes. Have you planned a schedule? Have you planned an opening day? What, what's the what's um, coming, what's coming up? Well, what we'll do is, um, I think, because of the COVID restrictions, we need to make sure that that is definitely, you know, hospitality venues are going to have to wait until um, we have a definite date. Now we've got this date in June, but I think what we'll do is we'll leave it probably till August. Yeah. Uh, just to let everything settle down. Um, if there are um, smaller groups, um of six or whatever that we may consider that putting smaller smaller games on for them um, um we'll see how it goes we'll see how that goes we have got a um a, a sort of itinerary we certainly know that uh, borodino is going to be the first game we do yeah um now that was a game we had planned um uh last was it last year or the year before? Oh, golly, Jerry Miller's birthday, and he wanted, ah, right. um, he he he'd asked if he could come and do Borodino. Yeah, and what we did is we said, right, come on, we'll run it um, as a birthday game for Jerry and friends and some of the Bramley Barn guys. Yeah, but then we'll uh, run it as a legendary war games weekend immediately after that. Yeah, so we're pretty certain that Borodino will be the first uh, game we do. Brilliant. Um, and uh, moving on from that, um, we've got a, a Sudan game using both our collections and the collections of Dave Doherty. Oh, yeah, I know um, Dave. I know Dave. You from, know Dave. I know Dave yeah. from the painting, Analog Hobbies Painting Challenge. Yes. Well, he's got a fantastic uh, Sudan collection and we were going to put both our collections together and run a, um, a weekend down the Nile on a grand scale. <laughs> I think, I think, I think cancelled because yeah, of COVID. 
I think Dave's got more camels than there are camels in the desert, hasn't he? He, he, he just seems to endlessly, <laughs> endlessly paint camels, does Dave? Uh, oh, well. <laughs> if you're going to go in the desert, you need camels. You do, you do. <laughs> but I, I would I'd su- suggest yeah. an extra bit yeah. of bracing on whatever day, table Dave's on because um, all them camels are going to be pretty weighty. <laughs> and I, I don't know of any plastic camel manufacturers. <laughs> No, 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 no. If you th- it can't be, it can't be having seven thousand Napoleonics on the table. No, no. <laughs> but, but I know I, what you mean. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think he must be close to seven thousand camels. To be honest, he can't be far off. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, if you, yeah. If so people, that's another game. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that, that'll be another game that will be very uh, high on the list of games to do mm. uh, uh, as soon as we can get cracking. Um, and then, uh, as I say, um, towards the end of the year, I'd like to do Austerlitz because it's a game that we we plan to do at the War Games Holiday Centre and never actually got done. Mm. Um, so I'd like to get that one done. And then um, for all the World War II uh, aficionados, we'll run a, um, a World War II game as well. And I think that's a, a decent mix of games to get cracking with. To start the year, um, yeah. So if somebody if somebody yeah, well, uh, if if somebody's coming coming yeah. in from outside and they they want to book a weekend, um, what what would what would the yeah. typical itinerary be? When would you turn up? Um, where would you stay? What would you eat? What that sort of thing? Um, yeah, well, um, we've got a, a an Ibis hotel in uh, Shipley, which is right on the doorstep of Saltaire. Yep. Um, so we use that. Um, it's got uh, a decent number of uh, eateries and uh, hostelries within a, a short walk. Um, and um, we a weekend would start Saturday morning. Uh, you'd fight all day till five o'clock, and or, or whenever if you want to finish a bit earlier or a little bit later, we can we can do that. Um, and then. Um, back the following morning uh, and fight on then into the afternoon, normally finishing three, four o'clock, but some people like to finish a little bit earlier if they've got a distance to travel. Yeah. Um, we have some people who come and stay on Saturday night, uh, sorry, Friday night, mm. um, and then um, they can uh, then get cracking earlier on Saturday morning if that's what they want. Um, do, you, do you find we're it- happy to work... We're happy to uh, sort of negotiate with people if they want to do longer weekends and want to mm. spend an extra day. That's absolutely fine as long as we get enough notice. Mm. Um, yeah, or if, uh, if if someone wanted to come and just do a day, we could do that also. And do you if find that? Do you enough, find we could do you f- just do a big day? Yeah. Do you find that it's it's mostly groups of friends who book together, or is it individuals? or small groups meeting up uh, and gaming with people they don't really know? Um, uh, From our experience so far, it is groups of people who tend to want to come and do this together. Now, it might be uh, clubs, you know, who play regularly together who want that social thing, or it might be uh, groups of friends who are spread all over the country that want to meet up at a specific place and time and, and do that. Mm. Um, but we have had uh, 
smaller you know groups of two or three people who are happy to uh, come together with ones twos threes and we just put a group together and uh, you know they can uh, just get on and do it and we always got on and had a whale of a time when they've done it brilliant well i mean that sounds um nice and welcoming that everyone can come in and and just mix up with anyone or if they've got a big group of friends um book it out and and come down and and have that social aspect that we we spoke about very you know in the in the start of this podcast that you had when you went to the to the holiday center um what um what then have you you got any plans for the future then are you are you you planning to um put any more collections in or build anything up or um to do it full time what what are are your plans yeah yeah yeah, well, um, as I say, we've 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 um, we've got a Border Reavers campaign game now. That's a cross between a board game and a tabletop game. Yeah, um, I'm um, I hopefully can crack on with my Nam collection, and the yeah. idea is to then run a a, um, a much bigger. Um, now, <laughs> the rules out there yet for this? Yeah. Um, uh, a, a bigger Vietnam game, uh, a slightly my uh, skirmish. Yeah. Um, run at you know company or even battalion level, um, and of of having using the um, six foot by six foot tables to have a um, a, a map with pinpoint, so the six tables would be different places on the map. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to, uh, if you understand, if you can kind of understand that, um, you, you could then get the varying different elements of the Vietnam War with fire bases on one table, with a fire base under siege on one table, a brown water bit on another highway you've to keep open on another table, and you know it could. Uh, it's all. It's all. Uh, it, none of this has been uh, cemented in. Yeah. <laughs> does, that, uh, does Andy all, know? Does all, Andy know? That's the main thing. All on little bits of paper. <laughs> 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 the game I've been I've been sorting, and uh, yeah. I've got quite a few figures for it. It's just on the growth. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we we we've a few bits and pieces, and then uh, that's that's where we are at the minute because we've got a lot of access to other bits of figures as well. So. Um, we can do quite a lot. And the, yeah. the the Vietnam stuff, Richard, is that in twenty eight mil or twenty mil? Uh, it's twenty, uh, mainly using the um, SHQ figures, um, so they are slightly smaller. They are true twenty mil. Yeah, um, but they are brilliant, aren't they? They're really good figures. Nicely as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, the lovely figures. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, a mix of. Uh, um, but I've got a, a decent sort of uh, group of stuff, to, bit, bits and pieces so far. So I'm hoping, probably it won't be this year, by the end of next year, we'll have something uh, we can offer. That's brilliant. And uh, yeah, just, so just, to, just to finish yeah. off then, Richard, um, if if people want to uh, to, to book, um, is it on the website? Yeah. How do they how do they get how do they get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, the, there's a there's a contact page on the 
website um, or just come through the uh, Facebook page or, or on Twitter, really, any social media medium, get in touch. Uh, we can have a conversation and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll sort something out. And, yeah. and, that, and that will be, that could be for one of the games that you've got advertised on your on your schedule or the potential of them organizing yeah. something themselves you, you're quite open for that oh I bet. absolutely yeah yeah we'll be as flexible as we can um well that's fantastic um i always um give the yeah. the guests an opportunity to ask me a war games related question um have you got one or not yeah. <laughs> go on, what, what no, do you want like, <laughs> I was good. Yeah, question was going to be when would you like to come up and uh, have a big game with one of your collections? Oh, well, that's a sort. That's the sort of question that I like. Uh, yeah, as soon as it's available, mate, it'd be lovely to get together yeah. and have a big game. Uh, I have to say, yeah. I have to say, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Are you after an Italian? Yeah. Are you after the Italian wars? Are you after seeing that? Oh, I th- it looks fantastic. So, um, yeah, that w- it would be lovely to uh, give that a bash. It really yeah. would. And, uh, you know, it lends itself, I suspect, because Peter Gilder used to do that at the War Games Holiday Centre. He did. I remember pictures on on the front of, I think it was one of the early War Games Illustrated that had pictures of some of his um, Italian Wars gendarmes. And yeah. it's, one of, it's one of those images that's never yeah. left my mind. Yeah. I've got that very picture on the wall in uh, in the in the cabin. Oh, the brilliant, brilliant! They, they yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic period. Uh, well, well, yeah. thank you, thank you very much, Richard. It's been a, it's been a joy to speak to you again. Um, thank and, you very much. Um, I hope the listeners out there have um, have got another uh, viewpoint on big games and um, yeah. speaking to somebody today who's had a lot of involvement in the big games. So, thank you again, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure and thank you for inviting me on. Well, that was a lovely, lovely catch-up I had with Richard there. I've not spoken to him for a while. Um, and I hope uh, his love uh, and my love for the big game came through during that interview. Um, little bit of apologies for the sound. Um, I've invested in a new microphone uh, myself, and that's improved the sound quality at my end uh, quite considerably. However, in this particular episode, we had some difficulties with internet connection, and uh, there was a slight delay in parts, um, which meant we were reacting to each other um, with a couple of seconds delay. Hopefully that didn't spoil your enjoyment too much. I've listened back through it, and um, I, I couldn't I could follow it quite easily so I I hope it doesn't spoil it for yourselves Uh, so we are going to have um, a new show in uh, two weeks time I hope to release on the 26th of March and uh, the guest for that podcast will be Chris Brown Uh, Dr Chris Brown is uh, an expert in uh, Scottish medieval history and also um, Arnhem and the the World War 2 power drops around there Um, and I didn't quite realise how many books he'd written until I googled him. Um, there's a lot. Uh, so if you're into uh, Bannockburn or uh, Scottish history, um, he's your man. And also for Arnhem. Um, Chris runs a, a Facebook 
group called Spit, uh, Stupid Projects in 28mm, so he's perfect for this podcast. And he's also running a big game event at Arnhem itself, uh, hopefully in September, COVID permitting. Uh, So he will uh, hopefully recording goes well we'll be here in two weeks time um the lad can talk i had a had a phone conversation with him last week and um we were on the phone for a couple of hours just chewing the fat and it was a lovely chat with chris and um i'm looking forward to speaking to him uh, on the podcast soon um at the moment audio release will be uh, every two weeks or every three weeks i'm looking at two a month uh, and again i'll review that when i come to the five episodes to see what we're going to do going forward um so uh once this podcast um is um, two weeks old and the new podcast comes out then this podcast will appear on YouTube uh, accompanied by a number of pictures of Richard Harris's collection at the uh, War Games, uh, Legendary War Games and I think it'll be worth listening to it again just to look at those photographs uh, so I shall see you in a two weeks whatever format you are on so from Yorkshire Gamer, see thee.